All right, ladies and gentlemen, I this is your uh, this is your co-host Blake Zebediah Ron speaking, <laughs> and uh, I'm currently at a Super Eight in San Bruno, California, right by the airport. Which is a charming place, very charming, gorgeous, and gorgeous. I tell you, and um, Jeff Glucker is in. Uh, I guess he's in New York, or he might be on the run in Barbados. So um, we have Zach Clapman and eminent podcast MC Chris Hayes on the line with us now, and we're recording on Skype, which the three people in the world who remember the original incarnation of the Hooniverse podcast will be very annoyed at. Oh, is that, that's, how the, that's how the early ones were, right? That was all done on Skype, and it was atrocious, but fun. Which is like a lot of things in life, really. <laughs> I can think of many that I will skip for this podcast. <laughs> okay, so... Okay. You might want to ask me, Zach, why I am in San Bruno, California. Sunny why are you in San Bruno in a Super 8 motel in California? Because we are driving, well, I am driving our long-term Audi S7 back to Detroit. I hate you. I hate you deeply. It's fun. It's going to be fun. Today is day one of my seven-day journey. And for those of you who want to follow along on our uh, little journey here, you can go on Twitter and type in... 7 and S7, which is our hashtag that we're using for this trip, because it's 7 days in an S7, and I like booze. Can't they just follow you, and then they don't have to follow a hashtag? That's true. You know what? Shut up, you and your logic. I'm just anti-hashtag. Um, I want to ask you briefly, before we get too derailed, you're, you're, you have a radar detector, but you, have, you said you have two, or do you have one super system? I have two. I have an Escort Passport Max, which we are testing out, and we have an Escort Smart Radar because um, Escort sent these to us about six months ago, and they were supposed to take them back, but they never did, so we were just like, well, the more radar detectors, the better. I really should have collected like six more radar detectors, so I could have looked like Alex Roy. Dude, I would have as many as I possibly could. So is the Smart Radar is a... Because Chris and I are talking about this, I, we thought it was a separate system you add to your escort, but it's its own. It's a standalone radar detector, so you just have the two. The smart systems. radar is a standalone radar detector with like a stealth, uh, stealth function. So basically, it's like you get this little panel that's like the size of. Uh, this is like the size of a matchbook, and it has all the information you need. It's got a power button. It's got a mute button. Right. It's got different modes to select, and then the actual unit is this small black box that's like the size of a wall. No, you know, a bit, bit bigger than a wallet. It's like the size of a size of a radar detector is what it is. Yeah, but smaller. <laughs> it doesn't need to display. But um, you mount that in front of your camera, in front of your rearview mirror, so you get a good angle and you don't have to keep looking at it. And then you mount the. Uh, the idea is that you're supposed to get a cable and mount that to your electronic rearview mirror, so that's how it draws power. But uh, yeah. since we can't really hack into our Audi's wiring. We just have a uh, we just have a big ass smart cable that goes all the way to the uh, uh, cigarette port. So basically, it moves the display of a normal radar detector down to your dash instead of yeah. It's like a display. Valentine one is a similar thing. Well, I think the, I, I had actually confused that they've got so they have the smart radar product, but they also have what they call the smart cord, which is what apparently I was talking about before. Which is it gives you all the GPS functionality and everything on their other units, but via a cord adapter. So it's Similar, but not quite the same. Okay. Well, smart, smart cord is just like a big cord that delivers power through the cable thing, but it also has a yeah, it has, has a little mini display on the cord plug itself, and it's got a mute button there, so you want to press that mute button instead of reaching up. It's basically uh, the same. There's nice. also Escort Live, which is like a basically Waze. It's not that useful, and it drains the shit out of your iPhone power, so... Oh yeah, that's. I mean, that's like Trapster. I I use Trapster when I'm a passenger, but I've found it's updated so free infrequently. And to be honest, I don't even update it when I see uh, cops because it's like now you need to log in and give them way more information than I wanted to. Right. So driving probably crashed already, and then you can update the cop who's at your crash site. Yeah, you know, it tells you where like a highway patrol station is or a police station. That stuff's good to know. But or you know if they see a pocket. But otherwise. I think you just got to use your eyes and use radar, and that's all you can do. The, uh, exactly. the live I'm, stuff I'm pretty confident I'm all set here. And I'm not driving through Wyoming, which is great, because Wyoming sucks. Um, well, you can drive fast there, but I, we are, no, can't we drive are derailing. Speed right, we're derailing. Um, I think in new car news, you have listed the Cadillac El Mirage concept. Of course, it was the, uh, 
the bell of the ball a little bit at Pebble as, Beach as, as far as concepts say, go. As some might say, the the uh, Elmiridge concept. Yeah, if someone says that, they're an idiot. Um, they also yeah. ordered Quackable. Uh, oh, yeah, we're Follett Mignon. They, uh, they're usually from Oklahoma, and they come up to Colorado for football games. Um, Cadillac El Mirage concept was, you know, a sick coupe. They put it out at the uh, the Cadillac stand at Pebble Beach. Um, I think it looks awesome. I think it looks like it's like a, more, a slightly more angular Bentley Continental. I would even say I like to look better than a Bentley Continental because I'm, I'm just a fan of angles. I think the sloping C-pillar looks real cool. And, uh, I think it looks I'd great. Take it. And yeah, I can't wait for them to not build it. We be here's a like. It looks like it's a, it looks like a Cadillac drophead coupe to me a little bit. Super long nose, short tail, the same like angled trunk. And you're right. And you're right. And, but the thing is, if they do build it, they they need to steal, hire, kidnap someone who does interiors from another company that works at that level. Because I feel like. The outside of that car could compete with any class of car, but if the interior is anywhere near any of their other cars, CTS, XTS, I don't care, it will do the exterior a disservice, and uh, I'm sure the price point they need to make something like that, they'd want to compete at a high level of, like, we're going to go for baller luxury coupes, and you can't do that with, with uh, the materials and the interior stuff they have right now. Right, and... Um, you know, actually, I got the chance to, I don't know if anyone, people out there have heard of Robert Cumberford, who is the columnist for Automobile Magazine, who's done the design uh, studies for them every month for the last, oh, yeah. I guess, 30 years. He is, he is a legend, he is a genius, he's a former designer, he once interviewed me for Automobile, but he doesn't remember that, and I got to meet him again at Pebble Beach, and honestly, he, he got to talk to, um, his name is... Gail Busen or whatever. He's the he's the diminutive French guy who does all their interiors. And then he also got to talk to Clay Davis, who's the head of exterior design for Cadillac. And Robert pulls no punches. He's great. He told them that oh yeah, this this grill looks kind of cheap. And he said, uh, I hate it when American com companies do uh, say they're inspired by European design because they can't do European design and they shouldn't do European design. So. Well, I, think, sure. I think that's just a marketing yeah. to marketing thing because it's oh, like, totally oh, is. Yeah. people like people like European cars. This is European, you know. This, yeah, this, like this water is European water. Chevy Celebrity Eurosport. But listening to Robert Comfort talk about the El Mirage was well worth the price of admission to Pebble alone, and I'm glad I got to witness that. Um, so I've got a question about the El Mirage. So it was uh, it came up that it's got a four and a half liter twin turbo V8. Was there any more information that was given out on that because that sounds like a really compelling motor from those guys. I I looked through the uh, grill and there is indeed an engine in there. <laughs> um, I honestly didn't. Grab usually, usually these concepts are just kind of like you know pushed on stage. I I didn't yeah I didn't grab a press thing. I walked by and checked it out. I took pictures and uh, oh, you can read our uh, Auto Week story about it by our friend Mark Vaughn and he says that. Um, yeah, they say 500 horsepower, 500 pound-feet of torque, 4.5 liter twin turbo V8, and an 8-speed automatic and rear-wheel drive. And you know that's great. It's a Cadillac like CLS coupe. That's what that is. I'm just wondering yeah. if it's if it's based on that 3.6 architecture, or if that's a if that's a D-stroked or D-bored LS motor with twin turbos on it. Because if it's an LS motor with twin turbos on it. That would be a game. That would, would be, be special. Uh, I nearly said the phrase "game changer," a phrase that is worst, the worst phrase on the planet. But it would kind of change some kind of game at some level. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't say climate change. I said warming environmental area. So, so we need actually, to know. You, you actually did worse than that, Blake. You said you, you're like saying I didn't say climate change. I said changing climate. Um, it's true. That is that is worse, and yeah, that is awful. But honestly, it would be like you know, it would be a bombshell. It'd be a great car as long as they make it a great car. You know, um, I like but, great cars. Who knows? Yes, it, um, this car suck less if it didn't suck. <laughs> right, we're we're smart. Uh, what do you what do you think about the uh, Hyundai's Genesis concepts? Yeah, that's been there before. Um, what you know? What's been interesting is that the, the new Spiker B6 Venator Spider, and I'm working on a story about that, and um, so that's why I've been preoccupied with that car. 
but which is probably why you that's why you brought it up. I bet. That's um, why I brought it up. It looks fantastic. Um, it does. It's less lurid pink in the in real life than in the photos, and it is yeah, named after true. the color of a flower that grows in Victor Moore's house outside Victor Moore's house. Um, yeah, the I, only th- I think it's a stunning car. The the interior of Spikers blows anything out of the water, and the exterior. I saw one driving around Monterey. I would love to own one. Absolutely. Uh, the only thing that bugged me about this car is the name on the uh, the left Lamont hump is four words long. There's so many characters yeah, there. It's like that, a full. That tweet. is super tacky, and I like it. But all the details, you know, that same inscription is engraved on the tailpipes. I got to look at that up close, which is awesome. The See, tail like yeah. look like like a jet turbines. Which is cool. And and to back you up, it does not look pink in person. It looks like a deep, cool red. And uh, just whoever's taking these photos just is... Uh, I'm looking at auto blogs, and they're just uh, maybe a little overexposed. I don't know. Oh, yeah, they're bad. Um, um, gotta see, i got to see the Venino in person. I did, too, as well. Uh, what do you think? Um, it's not disappointing. It looks great. I mean, you know, I, I think, they're making a they're making a roadster edition because, of course, they're making a roadster. I think it looks ridiculous. I don't know. And, and Thad, Thad, Thaddeus, uh, DP, big muscle for people listening. He was like, "This thing is okay because it's it's crazy," and that, and that's that's why I like it. He said it looks like you could stab someone with it, but I mean, what is it like? If it's it's like if someone if they brought that out and they were like, "This is our new LMP1 car," I'd be like, "Oh, okay," but they're like, "This is our next road car." I'm like, "What?" Well, it's not the next what? road car. It's just this. It's just this. It's basically just a gigantic cod piece for oil cheeks. Even so, I mean, I feel. I feel like if this is if it was twenty twenty two, I'd be like that makes sense. But like right now, it seems like such a massive step. Uh, I don't I like it. I, I don't like it. I just think it's like it's too I, busy. I, it's too I busy. like it. I think it. I think it looks like the future, and I think it's the like the ultimate epitome of this Lamborghini angular douchey angry angriness. You know, if Lamborghini is just going to be consistently angry all the time, this is like the like it's like the it's like Ford's super ego of Lamborghini essentially, or Carl Junior, whoever. I agree. Uh, I guess I might be egoista. Yeah, it's like oh, you, oh, you think we make angles? We'll show you angles, and that's what they. It's said. like it's it's the Lamborghini fuck you. That's what it is. Yeah, exactly. It's racks on racks. Yeah. Um, yeah, but these are all old cars, you know. They are. I mean, the new car. Galpin introduced the GTR one, and it's not looks as good in person. No, it doesn't look great. It actually looks kind of like a bar of soap designed it by in like. Yes, it does. Like designed like ten years ago when three D three D software was not great, and uh, you know, oh yeah, because the GT didn't have enough power already. So. Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, the GT, they stopped making it, so Galpin's like, look, there's a market, people love the Ford GT, and they stopped making it, so why don't we just make one? And yeah. I remember the renderings, I wrote a story, the renderings I thought looked better than when I saw it in person, I was, I mean, when I, when I first heard about it, I thought it was a cool car, and if, if, right. you, if you're going to, like, say, we're going to build something in the vein of the Ford GT, I'm like, yeah, and then, you know, like, um... What the factory five car? That thing looks sick, but this is just kind of like I don't know. It just just doesn't. I, don't know, I have very gut reactions to the design of cars yeah. usually, so this is just. Oh like, yeah, me too. Is and this you know car yeah. completely built from the ground up, or is this taking a Ford GT donor? It wasn't completely clear in the things that I saw. I think it's a donor. Okay. Yeah, so I think you need a donor. So you need to bring a two hundred plus thousand dollar car to the table and then have them ruin that car. Yes. Okay. You, oh, yeah. you know what? Honestly, if yeah. I were if I were Bo Bookman and if I had that uh, goatee and those steampunk glasses that he saw, I saw him walking around with. I would uh, I would buy the rights to the Shelby GR1 and just start building that. Yeah, because the GR1 still looks epic and amazing. And even if it's chrome, like Justin Bieber's Fisker Karma. Sorry to mention both in the same breath, but it is chrome. Um, I just painted silver or something. That thing's great. GR1 is awesome. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's um, you know, designing cars is really, really hard. So, and I, I don't want to stop people from taking a swing at it because amazing things can happen. And right, but the GL just got perfect proportions. Oh no, 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 yeah, I'm saying to the Galpin so, thing. Like, I, I think it's cool that people can like try and step up and make their own supercar, and if, if they do it well, not like some like which Slovakian country this week is building a car on the internet that will never exist. But oh, there were a bunch of them. That, yeah, there were a bunch of them on the concept lawn. They were all red. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, red, red, red grabs people. Red looks tough and sexy and Ferrari. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Do we? Uh, let's see. Do you want to just go right to humble experience, or should we move? Should we get that that to that at the end? Uh yeah, we can talk about Pebble. What was your favorite car on the lawn? Oh, on the on the lawn lawn. Um, yeah. It was the alpha. It was the I'm gonna say the alphas because I didn't even look at the card of the damn thing, and the program is in my suitcase. Uh, all the alphas, every alpha. No, not all of them. There were these two race alphas next to each other. I honestly don't remember what they were said because I didn't even look at the card. One one looked like a shrunken alpha male cobra. And I'm sure all people on the oh, internet. Oh, right I now think are you're like, thinking of like the Alpha TZs or whatever TZ um, Spadales or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm looking for the pictures uh, online right now, and I can't find them. Um, Wait, I, I have a picture here. Tell me if it is what you're thinking of. Let me type this in chat. Didn't message. Uh, yeah, Alpha Romeo TZ one. That might be it. Trying to look at this thing. This is the problem with Skype: is people are like, "This is exciting. We're listening to you use the internet." Using the internet. Oh, anyway, my favorite oh, car was yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That thing is great. So good. Uh, my favorite car was the bright orange 1955 Lincoln Indianapolis Coupe that was built by Buono as a design exercise, and it actually won Pebble Beach in 2001 in the uh, post-war custom coachwork class. And my idea is that it should just win Pebble Beach every year. Yeah, that was like, very. Uh, it looked like something out of the Jetsons. It was. Uh, yeah, that was amazing. Which is ice cream. It was. It was very cool. I mean, there was a lot. Pebble, like Pebble, for me is half the cars I just don't care about, and I know that right. it's where we came from. And I, think I don't that, know anything. I don't know anything about uh, you know '30s cars. Every car before 1940 looks the same, and I know that's yeah. racist, but it's true. Um, it is true. We say that about a lot of things that look the same, even though they aren't. And uh, you know, no. even though, yeah, exactly. Um, no, I agree with you. And it's it's just they're they're unexciting, but that's part of it. Part of it's because they're too old, and part of it's because back then it was just about transportation and luxury. And you know, but if you look at a Ferrari from the '60s or a Lambo or anything, it's like it's when they started designing speed into it. Not just I felt like the cars from before the 30s, they were just figuring out how to go quick, and so there was like, well, like there's a car, there's a muffler bolted to the, the door, the e-brakes on the outside of the car, there's just like a fan here and extra tires there, and it, it was just about getting there and, and figuring it out. And then once they kind of worked on it, they were like, alright, now we can put some sex into it and some, some design, we can start separating ourselves without, you know, they all a Packard next to a blower Bentley next to a uh, a Mercedes K, a Ford Model are, A. There's they're they're so, yeah they're they're very similar just in how they go about doing what they do because that's the technology we had. And you had to really get into like weird coach build stuff like Figonia Falashi and Delahaye and with the you know the pontoon teardrop fenders and stuff. Those had speed and aerodynamics yes. designed into them, I but they're insane to keep track of. I, I agree. That's why the yeah. Mall Museum was sick because it had a bunch of Delahays, and those looked crazy good. And they also have plaques, which is great because they tell you all the info about they the cars. They tell the info. Um, sure. But yeah, and, and most of, most Italian things on the lawn after the sixties, I'm gonna like. Um, some they're just amazing Ferraris. Oh, the vintage Indy cars are so cool. Oh they're yeah, so they're amazing cool looking. Like yeah, just the, the livery, the met. There's a gold flake livery in the in the numbers, and then it's like a baby blue around it, and bronze pipes, and then like a red chair. It just the, they're such badass looking cars, and oh, and the huge pipes and everything. Yeah, you know they start up, and you can hear them from six states away. It's great. Uh, yeah, very. And then the, by contrast, the, you know they start the Packard. They start all the cars. People listening, if you haven't been to Pebble Beach, they have to start all the cars. They should be driven on the lawn, although it's like to get towed. Yeah, um, some of them were towed up by Yamahas. Yeah, they were towed by like razors. But uh, <laughs> you know, the Packards and the luxury cars—they were meant to be quiet, so they were running, and you couldn't tell. You would like smell the fumes, and then turn around and go, "Oh, the car behind me is on." They still sound kind of mean, though. A little bit mean. It's like muffled mean, not like shouty Jaguar F-type mean. That actually brings us to another point. That does bring us to another point. Should we um, go into what we've been driving? Yeah, I just, just like to say, like for people that haven't been to Pebble, if if you're a huge, if you're a huge car fan, what you notice in the parking lot is that 
you will see a ratty, like, 1993 uh, Ford Taurus parked next to a 360 Stradale on the street because everyone is kind of equal when they park as a fan and go. And so you should go once because it's a spectacle and there's some amazing stuff there. But it's, uh, I think you have more fun, actually, at, like, the auctions or at Concourse Italiano or stuff like that, you know. If you, if you like yeah. speed, you'll like, you'll like that shit more. But anyway... Yeah, that can lead us to, uh, what have we driven lately? I have driven the uh, Jaguar F-Type, and I think I've gotten my hearing back, finally. You drove everything, man. You were like Caesar at an orgy, just, you know... I was I was Caligula, and like, at a, at a 70s key party. Yeah. Wrap yeah. your mind around that. If you went forward, um, in, forward in time. Yeah, um, the, uh, yeah the F-Type, F-type, F-type is F-type. the most insanely loud car on the planet. And it's so loud that I got pulled over in Santa Monica because it was too loud. <laughs> yeah, uh, I drove it after that, and I was like, I can understand why completely. Yeah, yeah, they, um, yeah. It's uh, it, it handles really well. You know, it's it's pretty balanced, even though that huge engine in the front gets like that. And um, no, I definitely, I definitely liked it. It looks great. The interior is not great. The uh, and then you know you can't you can't turn the sound off. Like you press a little button in the middle with the binoculars on it, it doesn't do anything. It does not do anything. Why would Okay, well, I, I would argue, I'd ask why you want to turn the sound off, but I'm also, you know, I, I've had loud cars forever, I love them, so I'm a little retarded. Right, well, you know, I'm, I've, I've never really been around loud cars, and, you know, I don't really like loud cars that much. I mean, I just want cars that sound good, not just to sound loud. And the F-Type does both, but, you know, if you drive past a funeral, or like a nursing home, <laughs> so usually the same thing, it's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, dearly departed, we are gathered here to... Yeah, man, I mean, people, I, I hope you guys get to be around one of these because you let off from five miles an hour. They definitely programmed in, like, overrun backfires and just these pops. I mean, it, it's like they crammed five years' worth of Fourth of July into the muffler, and every time you left the throttle, they're like, send the fireworks! It's just, it's so nuts. I got stuck in traffic. I took it for a drive. I had no fun because I was stuck in traffic, but I, what I would do is just let there be... I'd let the person in front of me get about 50 feet in, away, and then I would drive towards them at 10 miles an hour and let off in first. And I did it over and over and over and over again in stop-and-go traffic, and I was laughing my ass off. Uh, and the thing just, like, pops and spits like you wouldn't believe. It's it's, it's like it's, a... It sounds a like a hawker hurricane, hurricane. yeah. So it's like, like what? About a, it sounds like a hawker hurricane about to defend Britain, about to defend London, the Battle of Britain. Is that a plane reference that I don't know? That is that is an old World War II fighter jet. Oh, okay. Fighter, so uh, a lot of a lot of our audience, a lot of our audience was there, so they will definitely know what that sounds. That's true. Like. A lot of our audience does remember the Blitz. So um, oh, go ahead, uh, guys, persevere, stiff upper lip, and all that. Well, they should order the same um, auto journalist thesaurus of analogies and allegories that you just you read that from. Well, you see, I minored in history, so that's why I can make references. I'm legally allowed to make references <laughs> to things. It's okay. I'm a historian. Um, <laughs> You're a historian in the house. All right, ladies, I think, ladies. I think the big, the big chink in the armor of the F-type hey. is uh, that definitely was not referring to you. Just so no, you know. I know, I know, I know. I'm uh, it, anyway. yeah, I mean, the price like a hundred G's, but I, sitting inside it, the, the, it's, it's not worth a hundred grand inside. But I think if you sitting get inside, it would drive me mad if I realized I paid a hundred grand for it. But you know. It's, it, it sounds awesome. It, it's a hoot. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like a thing. It's like it just sounds awesome. Okay. It, no, man, it's a it's a ride. And it looks amazing. It's uh, it's just, I think you could get the supercharged V6 and have just as much fun. And I say that because when I drove, check out this Segway bomb. When I drove the C7 on Thursday, I um got into a impromptu comparison of acceleration with someone driving a new um F-Type S and. Huh. The C7 did not barrel down on it um, quite as rapidly as I thought. So you could get the 6 and have a very good-looking car and not spend $100,000, and it still sounded quite cool. How was the C7? Because I've heard nothing but great things about it. The C7 is really good. It it drives it drives great. I mean, it just drives it drives great. Like, it's a car you get in, you go, oh, okay, this is going to feel and drive like that. Okay, I can just go fast now. And... Um, you know, there's some big banking turns we were on with a couple of little bumps in them, and it, and it just soaks them right up, plants immediately, settles itself immediately. Lots of grip. I didn't really explore the limits, but I was definitely hustling. Um, 
you know, the steering is real quick, so you can't just kind of relax your hands on it and think there's a dead zone. It's it's real good. Um, okay. Real, real on point and all that. What's the, uh, where did you drive it? Um, Salinas, well, I, I was filming the C7 launch for thesmokingtire.com. And, dot com uh, dot web? Dot com you slash internet, YouTube. You all that, that websites? Okay. Got and, uh, yeah, so we were, we were south of, I don't even remember where we were. We were, we were in Salinas farmland. Big right. sweeping corners, a bunch of straightaways, uh, a couple of Basically messed up east of, roads. east of all the good stuff. East of all the, well, east of all the fancy shit, but there was no one around, and the roads were good. So, um, and I think the biggest thing, of course, is the interior. Chris and I talked about this earlier. I, you know, you don't have to make excuses for it anymore. The last, the last vet drove awesome. It was fast, and it was such a good performance car, but you had to keep looking over the hood, not, in, not, you couldn't look any closer than over the hood, otherwise you'd be a little disappointed, and the seats sucked. The new one has good seats. The DAS, the technology, it all seems on par with what the car can can do and always has done. So, Right. So you're saying the new Corvette has shitty seats? No, the new Corvette has awesome seats. The last oh, one okay, right. The last one did not have great seats, right. No, the last one, yeah. Even, I don't think it matter what size you put, they just had, they had no bolstering at all, so... Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Zach, in this new one, you didn't have the uh, Recaro seats. Those aren't available yet, right? They were not available. We had the regular seats, and uh, I still, I was, I wasn't, I didn't have to brace myself on the center console or the, you know, the door like I do with other cars with bad seats and bolstering. Like, it, it helped me in place, so I could just focus on, uh, on driving. It, it's a good, good sports car. And for, like, 53 grand with his E51 package, which comes with, like, the tranny cooler and the diff cooler and stuff, which you should totally get. It will be a killer car. Did you try it, the one with the magnetic shocks? Uh, yeah. Did it not suck? It, oh, no, not at all. I love, dude, right, I love shocks, magnetic ride. It's awesome. I think it should be on everything. Right. Um, yeah, there's no way they're going to put it on there and fuck it up. It, it, it's great. It's a good car. Yeah, I don't think I've ever driven anything with the GM magnetic shocks. So They I were the ones that, dude, they're the ones that invented it, and I'll argue yeah. that they probably do it better than everybody else. Yeah, and they're they're on the ZL1. They're on CTSVs. Uh, they rock. As a matter of fact, they licensed their technology to Ferrari, or it did at one point anyway. Indeed. Yeah. I think it's on the four five eight, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. There you go. They're still doing it. Indeed. Um, let's see. And you drove? Did you? So you wrote, You drove up to Pebble with the entire Jalopnik staff, and I did drive up there. We were all uh, hoping for a big torpedo to uh, or a hurricane to hit that part, and it didn't happen. Um, Waiting for a big torpedo to what hit Pebble Beach and kill everybody because that would mean we'd be plunged into another recession. <laughs> That's true. No, no, no. Just, uh, just the train of jalopers. I'm kidding though. Uh, I saw. Oh, they're, they're, they're all right, guys. They're they're good guys. I just make. Fun I hate of them all. I just had I just had burritos with those guys. Actually, I just had. We went to uh, Takaria Cancun, which is the best burrito I've ever had in my life. I'm just gonna call it right now. It or the best burrito see, ever. You didn't learn from them. What you should say is. Was it the best burrito of your life? And then you click the link over to the post. Oh, you click the like, link, and boom, it's a picture of Steve McQueen's wedding. Right. It's like, it wasn't, but it was a good burrito. Um, no, you guys rode up with a ton of cars, Did you? and you swapped off all the time, right? Uh, yes, I drove a Miata, of course. Um, let's see, we had, a, we had the F-Type, we had a GT500, we had a Bentley Continental GTC, and there was a, uh, a Porsche Boxster. Let's talk about the Boxster, because... Uh, let's talk about the Boxster. Yeah. Okay, so... You know, our good friend Wes Seiler from Hell for Leather, we also have to get him on a podcast, too, because he's a great dude. Uh, he taught us about this road called uh, Nacimento Ferguson, and I could I spent, like, the entire time not pronouncing it correctly. So we're going to call it the Craig Ferguson Road. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good host. And um, uh, so we were, trying to find, we were trying to find Craig Ferguson, and it turns out you got to drive through Hunter Liggett Army Base to get to Craig Ferguson. Oh, well, my, my road is, uh, is really, you know, well protected by uh, the Army base. I like to keep it safe from people like you who uh, have only done one lesson at CTSV school. Oh, my God. Are you Shrek? Ladies and gentlemen, Shrek is in the audience. Anyway, tell, that, was, that, was a, that wasn't a bad Scottish accent. Um, tell so us more about your adventure and how well you drove. I was driving with my new best friend, Josh, and uh, we, we went to Hunter Liggett, and we took... You know, through our navigational blunders and our lack of reception, we took a wrong turn onto, away from the road leading to Craig Ferguson, and we ended up on a 
uh, rough road. When there's a sign that said rough road. Also, there were deuce and a half passing us in like trains of Ford in our time. Um, and we got a flat tire, as happens to people. How did you get that flat tire? Because I, I actually talked to Josh and met him for the first time at Pebble, and he told me his version of the story. Um, so he said there was a surface change in the road, and you met it with gusto. I don't think it was that much gusto, but it was definitely enough to leave a gash in the sidewall. Right. Right. Although everyone was just blaming me for this, like I purposely fucked up the Porsche. No, no, you know, I'm, I, not, I'm not blaming you for that. No, and, I was, I'm laughing because when, when we did our, our epic Washington trip, Matt was driving around potholes and I was in the crap jeep and I was just hitting them at like 40 or 50 and just laughing and like, hey, whatever, it'll be fine. And then eventually it wasn't fine. No, I so, wasn't doing that. I was, I was doing my best to dodge potholes. I think I was doing like 30 miles an hour or something. And, you know, there's one you miss because they kind of blend into the pavement. They do. It's shadow, uh, weird pavement, yeah. weird and low profile. I had one, and it, it sounded like the worst sound of your life. Think of like babies getting killed, and it make that sound ten times worse. And uh, that's the sound that, that it makes when you have a hundred thousand dollar Porsche boxer that hits a pothole at thirty miles an hour. I think that's the sound of your brain going. There goes Porsche press cars, and uh, it's, it's. I think that. it's just like, oh man, there there goes. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm dead. I am actually a dead person. But uh, yeah, it was great. We got we got frisked by an officer named Lebeef. I heard he was quite smart as well. He was, yeah, indeed. You know, he's he's a upstate. Well, we we can't we can't really bash members of the law here, but he was he was on army base territory, so maybe he had some jurisdiction. But we were just really waiting for the uh, the tow truck to come. And the dude who picked us up was this guy named Scott with AAA, and he was the coolest dude ever. We drove past his house, and he was like, "Yeah, I got a gate there. I got a second gate there. You guys should just stop by and go through the gates, and you know, we'll, we'll drink boxed wine. It'll be great." <laughs> it's gonna turn into uh, like Harold and Kumar when they end up in the hillbillies thing, and he's like, "You guys want to have a foursome?" Yeah, you guys can you know drink drink my drink my uh, drink my beer, you know, fuck my wife. That's sort of deal. That'd be great. That would so, be the best. That would be the best flat tire of the entire world, actually. Yeah, we started off at a Denny's and we ended up at another Denny's, and Josh and I were waiting to get picked up, so we just decided to fuck it, let's get drunk. So we got drunk at a Denny's, and usually that's a very low point in your life. But after waiting for about three hours in, in the heat and after getting violated, um, that, I'm telling you, that Modelo Especial tasted like the greatest beer on the planet. And I'm I, saw you I, didn't even, I, I didn't know they sold beer at Denny's. That's, that's amazing. Anything goes in King City, California, Zach. You should know that. Oh, so, it's yeah. speeding. Blake, I have to ask, why did they feel it was necessary to uh, grope you? Uh, they kind of just asked, well, they didn't really actually, like, pat us down. I think Josh kind of exaggerated that because he was fuming about it. But, uh... Yeah, he was. He was. He did, <laughs> yeah, he was. He, he, he's still angry about it to this day. I mean, <laughs> this moment, actually. Right now, he's, I've heard you he can hear him yelling about it right now. But, uh, they asked us to turn around and pull our shirts up to, just to see if there, we had any guns, like, you know, like, thug lifestyle on an army base. And then, you know, we, they made us open the trunk, and I, we opened both trunks, and he only checked the rear one. Because I don't think he realized that there's a trunk in the front, too. Right. So, right. Well, uh... of course, we weren't carrying anything illicit, no weapons, because, one, they all flew in, and two, they're all New York liberals, which is nice. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, they were they're being a little, they're being very thorough to make sure that they are you know, in your blown tire boxster, because terrorists often drive in in a boxster to do stuff. <laughs> Very stylish terrorists. But, you know, hey, they're doing, they're doing their job. And, you know, we didn't have anything to hide, so. Okay, yeah, that, uh, Josh must have exaggerated. He made it sound like it was an absolute terror and that you guys were just like, why do I have to hold on to the chain link fence? Why can't I cover my eyes while you do this? <laughs> no, it wasn't the TSA. hey -o. Yeah. <laughs> Call out your own punchline. Box <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It was definitely not the best way to enter Pebble, but I did make that hotel at 10 p.m. just as everyone was leaving. <laughs> what, oh, well, and, I like, and I was like, who's ready to party? And everyone's like, we're going to bed. Yeah, Pebble's not... I, I, I think there are parties happening, but none of them go that late because everything starts early in the morning. You know, I mean, there might be... Everybody's got to drive back to the hotel because there's always shuttles. Yeah, I, I was out uh, Wednesday night with Matt and... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Jason from Bloomberg. Uh, and they want... What? 
Harper, Jason Harper. Yes, him. Cool guy. And, uh, Never met him. They were trying to, trying get him to on find the bars, but um, everything closed at 12, and, and they were like, what? And I was like, well, dude, it's Wednesday in Monterey. <laughs> we asked the guy. Oh, Wednesday, uh, right. We asked the waiter, like, where would you go if you were us? And he's like, uh, on a Wednesday, I'd go home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's something he would say because he's like, well, you know, i got to pay for my drinks. Well, I did go to the Crown and Anchor yeah. with, yeah, I did go to the Crown and Anchor, which is a great uh, British pub in downtown Monterey, and they have served food, and they have Fuller's London Pride on tap, which is something you, you usually can't get in the States. The dude gave me a free beer, which was awesome, because I also got a Sam Smith. Because, you know, once again, you don't get Sam Smiths in uh, America unless it's that Sam Smith. I have no idea what Which, you're talking about, but I'm sure Glucker appreciates this. Because Glucker probably not, does because, well, you, know, you know, no, I'm talking about, you know, Samuel Smith is a beer and Sam Smith is a guy who works at Road and Trek and is in charge of the place. Okay. Excellent. He's the guy that just had a baby and he likes lotuses. How do you know... We're friends, Zach. Okay. Friends. Uh, I thought you were just like, I saw it on his Twitter, and I'm going to go find him, and then I'm going to get a job, and I'm going to take his kid. Zach, what you're missing out are the automotive journalist trading cards that have made their way around town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, they have uh, stats, battery averages, penis sizes, you know, that sort of deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and don't forget the ever-important sexual orientation, because in that industry, it's half and half. I got the Aaron Gold Rollover Edition. <laughs> <laughs> And what what sucks though is our entire audience like, what are you talking about? Who is that? And that's why we should move on from inside insider industry jokes. Yes. Well, you know, I'll just leave it off with I got the Dan Neal hologram and I'm very happy. <laughs> I got the Angus McKenzie and it's really really sharp. <laughs> it's made of razor blades. <laughs> I'm gonna stay out of this conversation. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, what's in the garage? What are you? What have you been driving? Or are you not driving? Um, I am press carless at the moment. Um, let's see. I don't think I've driven any. I drove the C7, and I might be going. I'm going on a job soon that may end in seat time. I don't know if I can even say this. Actually, I should check first with a German turbocharged car. I'll say that. I don't know that though. I don't know if that will happen. But if it does happen, I'll be one of the happiest. It'll be. One of the happiest moments. Is this a certain mile-long event? No, no, there's no. It's no mile event or anything. It's um, it's a job for Tangent Vector, and uh, I just I don't know if I'm gonna get to drive anything or if I'm just be working the whole time. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. No, I don't think you can talk about it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But when I can, I will. And then and then all people listening that are wondering what's going on, you're gonna be really excited. You know what? I really like talking about things I'm not allowed to talk about. So let's. uh, I really like talking about things that you know I can't talk about so there you go let's uh let's yeah good times guys <laughs> good times. <laughs> um yeah that's true that was terrible uh what are, so your s7 obviously we, already, we talked about that's going to be the, the s7 is the great white whale and it's been doing great so far because i finally reunited with it and you know i'm probably going to miss it when it gets to detroit in a week oh definitely that car on a long distance drive is pretty much a match made in uh you know heaven or uh, I've heard of that place. Ugh, ugh secular. Um, whatever. So, yeah, no, I mean, so far I've driven into traffic. And actually, on the way up here, I was following a guy in a Bentley Flying Spur with manufacturer plates. Ah, that may have been, actually, I'm uh, betting that was Dan Neal. Um, that wasn't Dan Neal. The, dude, the oh. dude looked like he walked out of a Tom Ford catalog, so. Oh, okay, because Dan Neal picked one of those up after he did our podcast. Um, right. and then Sorry, drove he, he looks like... That dude, the dude driving that Bentley looks like, I'm sure he was either a PR, I'm sure he was a PR guy of some sort, and he looked like, he looked like Troy Queef from Sniff Petro. I don't know who that is, but I will Somebody take your word for it. Okay. And uh, if he was at Pebble in the Bentley, I'm guessing uh, we, we had a fun game called Find the Rich White Guy, and it's fun because oh, everybody really? wins. Did you find any? It's, uh, it's really easy. It's like getting a participation ribbon. I, uh... I played a game called Find the Red Pants, and I found a lot of red pants. Yeah, okay, can you explain that? Is that... No, is it's it, like... Okay, is it it's a like, tradition, or is it an ironic tradition, or you guys make fun of it, or... You were stricken on me because you thought it wasn't original, and that's the joke. Of course it's not original. Everyone, my understanding is that everyone always has to wear red pants to Pebble Beach at least once or eight times. So, you know, 
it's it's very red pants. First of all, are just super Nantucket preppy Ivy League JFK like sixties Camelot just Don Draper fucking bitches all the time. Red pants. That's red pants. And um, you know, if you're on a yacht and you wear a navy blazer and red pants and no socks and loafers, that's like a that's like an archetype, really. So people go to people go to Pebble Beach and okay, first of all, it's ridiculous because you go there, you're surrounded by just a sea of like ghost faces. And then um, the blasting classical music over the loudspeakers. And this isn't because yeah, it's like pomp and circumstance. Like we're at a graduation. No, they they played they played the song that is used in every movie to illustrate I a believe. rich pompous thing. It was it's the same song they played like in Ace Ventura too. Like that came on after the third song in. And I was like, holy shit! They're playing the song that. I would use as an example to make fun of the songs they were previously playing. And <laughs> Walking onto the lawn of Pebble Beach is like being in a Rodney Dangerfield movie. Like, you just surround <laughs> Like, Rodney Dangerfield's gonna go in there and he's gonna... It's like, you know, the movie Back to School where he just, like, messes up on a rich rich people or something like that. You know, it's that sort of deal. Oh, yeah. they have no sense of irony at Pebble Beach. There's none of it. They are... You know, it's they they wear red pants. They listen to classical music. What's so weird about that? They drink champ. You walk around drinking champagne. It's absolutely stereotypical rich people. Right. So the, I I didn't know that I didn't know that journalists were wearing the pants to make fun of the people that go and actually wear the pants. And I was wondering if the pants started in like the fifties and they were doing as tradition, or if it. Were, I, I don't know anything about Nantucket. That's what I'm saying. Well, rich people have always worn red pants, like because it's their uniform essentially. And I think you know journalists like. I think it usually is best exemplified by my colleague David G. Johnson and then Johnny Lieberman, you know, scruffy, salted, earth punk rock dudes who try to put on, you know, they put on a uniform for shits and giggles, really. And, uh, gotcha. Davey brought five sport coats and all of them are excellent. And, um, you saw my plaid sport. I'm sure you saw pictures of my plaid sport coat. I bought that thing because I thought it looked like Don Draper, but Don, you know, when Don Draper wore those ridiculous, uh, Ridiculous patterned uh, sport coats in season five. That's a Madman reference. You can look it up if you want. But you know, people wore that. St- people wore that shit unironically, and now it's a bit ironic if you wear it because is if you have a sense of humor and you're kind of sarcastic about that. I've always I said um, Pebble Beach is like Halloween for middle class people. See, I look at Pebble Beach and I go, it looks like you're all lining up to get into a gay nightclub in Boca Raton. Yeah, yeah, okay, that works. Like, like old gay men in Palm Springs or something. Exactly. That's that's exactly yeah. what it looks like. That, okay. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. So I'm I I have to admit that I'm kind of doing it for the irony because I think it's funny and you know I don't take myself too seriously when I do it. But some then people there do, and the old people there who do, they have no sense of irony. They don't even understand irony and. All the power to them because they've been doing it since before we were born. So, Zach, the name for the characters next year are literally pomp and circumstance. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of that idea for next year. I'm going. They are not going to laugh at all, uh, Blake. I'll tell you about it off air. But um, okay. there, there's, uh, there's, there's been an idea. That's all. I'll tell you later. I, I like ideas. I like it when things happen. Um, all right. Oh, I by the way, you drove an old car, which is an old new car, which is something that's been your family, and something happened to it. That's true. Um, I drove the uh, 66 Cobra replica that I built with my dad and my brother back in like 2000. And um, we filmed it for Big Muscle, and uh, it was great. And it worked great that day. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been a very reliable car. And then Thaddeus and I were going to drive down to Pebble on, uh, let's see, Friday. And... Um, we got in the car, and it was not cranking over, and it sounded like a weak battery, which usually, it does, it sits a lot. You know, I drive it the most, and I, that, and I don't live where it is, so my dad, he might take it out like once every three months. Um, I try to drive it as much as I, I can. I love, I fucking love that car so much. Right. And um, so, okay, the battery's a little bit low. It's just not cranking. Charge battery up. Still cranking weird. It's kind of like slow revolutions and it's making backfires and all kinds of shit and we're putting carb starter in and it's not doing it and we charge the battery like three times and um, come to figure out that we fried the starter and um, that happens when if you're trying to start a car and the voltage is not 
if the battery's not fully charged and you're trying to use your starter, it drains more power because starter needs all the power it can get. And if it's not getting enough juice, apparently it damages it if it's not spinning at the correct speed. I didn't know that. Um, I learned. I just learned that lesson. So we went and got a new one, and uh, we pick it up, and you know, Thad's staying at my house from my my parents' place, and he's like. Are we going to do this? Are we, are we going to change the starter? It was like, well, if we don't change the starter, we go to Pebble Beach in, the, in Matt's Raptor. And our whole idea was let's drive the Cobra to Pebble Beach, camp in the middle of the woods with a fucking Cobra, and then drive into right. Pebble at 5 a.m., which is hilarious. And uh, Without it, showering, I assume. Without showering. We slept right. on the ground with uh, sleeping bags. But there's just there's nothing more odd and... Um, you know, polar opposites than camping in the woods in nature and then starting a cobra. You know, that has a 428 big block. So, you so we got to start. forest on fire. Um, it does shoot quite a bit of fire. It's running richer than it should, and uh, it used to only blow flames on D cell, and now it kind of just does it all the time. That's, that's <laughs> a great quote. That's a great quote. Now it just shoots flames all the time. It it does. I watched the videos we shot, and uh, I showed that. I was like, hey, you know, we're accelerating it, shooting fire. But you know what? A car that shoots fire is so great. Like we we felt. It's the same feeling you get, I think, if you were a billionaire and you're just lighting money on fire and driving down the road because we just hit the gas, let off, it would make an explosion and, and bounce flames and light off of the dark cliffs of Highway 1 and we just look at each other and laugh and then do it again. It's so it's silly. Like, yeah, it's, it's like two things, really. It's like, one, wearing red pants at Pebble Beach and drinking champagne while listening to Pocket Circumstance, or two, it's like driving a Jaguar F-Type through a neighborhood. Yeah. It, it, or it's past so... like a children's hospital. Yeah, I was, uh, I was very glad. Initially, we thought we were going to be able to camp, park right next to where we slept, and we would wake up a couple campers, but I'm glad we didn't because we were in a campground with about 100 or 200 other people, you know, all spread out. But that would have... My, my car is one of the loudest I've, Cobras I've ever heard, and uh, I would have felt pretty bad. But the, back to the starter, we, we, got a, we got a, I picked up a new one, and uh, it's pretty simple. Bolted in, took a couple hours, and um, you know, high fives, congratulatory beers. And uh, now, I I didn't realize how bad that starter had been for a few years. And the thing cranks over first shot, just it's on. It's amazing. Um, well, it's a it's a Ford starter, right? You practically find those in the ocean. Yeah, I mean, it was forty dollars, and yeah, it was real simple. Three three bolts. Cobra's engine base do not have as much room as you would. Not think really? they would. So, Zach, let me ask you this: Did you guys shim it properly? Not in public, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is another discussion then. <laughs> I'm going to ask you what I'm going to ask you what shim means. I'm gonna, what I'm going to say is no. We took the old one off. It looked exactly like the new one. We put the new one in. It starts every time now within half a second. So there you go. Yeah, there are, uh, when you install a starter, there's actually supposed to be shims because you're supposed to have the right amount of backlash between the uh, between the flywheel and the starter motor. So, yeah, we'll we'll talk later. Well, uh, what I will say is that it works flawlessly. It really does. I'm am- I'm amazed at how quick it starts now, and there's no weird noises being made. And oh no, no, you're fine. fine for now. It's just a long term thing. That's all. Oh, you're great. fine for that's... now. Just catch on fire when you're not there to see it. Exactly. Um, no, that is a concern. That. But we, it, it runs, uh, the next project is finding out how to tune a carburetor, which I know is kind of an art because... Your, your car's carbureted? Jeez, what motor did you use again? I thought you used like a 5.0 or something. No, man, it's a 428 Super Cobra Jet from like 1968. It's oh, a, Ford, it's a okay. Ford FE because we didn't want... I, I mean, I, I've... I, the benefit of fuel injection can't be denied, but when you lift up a hood of that car... You want to see an oval air cleaner and a carburetor. You don't want to see fuel injection. I don't want to see fuel rails. I don't want to see a Coyote motor. Like, I want to build a Daytona Coupe replica sometime in my future, and I would put a Coyote motor in that because I already have this thing. But this feels and looks like a period correct car. And there's, right. there's like, I, I've been filming all these new pro touring cars with, with Mike Musto on Big Muscle, and they're amazing machines. But right. There's something weird about being in like a car from '68 that drives and feels like a new M3, but this thing, big wooden wheel, jiggles a little bit. You know, it, you smell oil. Like it, it, it hits all the things that you remember. It's, it's an still old car vaguely. It, it's still also vaguely reliable because you guys assemble it and you know the car inside and out. Yeah, we we did a good job building the motor, and we didn't build it for super power. It's got like 450, but 
It's, you know, it's got more cooling than it will ever need. It's never overheated. I've seen other Cobras pulled over on the side of the road, and ours always runs real cool. Um, nice. It's it's like overbuilt, and that's good because yeah. we're not machinists. Like, I'm an acceptable wrench if I kind of know, if it's simple. But, yeah. you know, my dad doesn't want to deal with that kind of stuff all the time, and so uh, we just built more. And it's... But it's, it feels old, and that's what I really like about it. I want to run it in Optima Streetcar Invitational sometime. And, and I was talking to um, Mike Meyer of Meyer Racing, and he's, he knows Fords. He's like, oh, you got to get a smaller wheel. you got to get this. Oh, Mike Meyer, yeah, he does a great Shrek. You what? I said he does a great Shrek. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely talking about Yeah, Mike Meyer is racing, um, you know, called the Super Maple Leaf Performance Center. Um but I, I don't want to. I don't want to do Optima with it. With it feeling like a half modern car that looks like a Cobra. I want to do it with like an old big steering wheel and like, you know, I should just shove a, cigar, gotta, a cigar in my mouth and rock a fucking scarf. What? Yeah, exactly. You want to manhandle the thing like you know, like Phil Hill did, for example. And yeah, no, I do. Yeah, two points right there. Actually, one point is that I have no idea how carburetors work, and I own a motorcycle with. Actually, I've owned two motorcycles with four carburetors each, and I still think they're witchcraft. That's why your motorcycles don't work that well. That's why I got rid of them. Um, and second of all, I, um, I've always wanted to build a Cobra replica, and I know the cheapest entry to Cobra ownership is Factory 5. Uh, that is. Um, you know, when we did ours, there was only a handful of companies doing it. You know, Factory right. 5 was one, Superformance. We did ours called ERA. Oh, um, there you go. Right. In fact, my, my favorite moment with ERA was when I met Pete Brock at the car show, and he said that ERA was a good kit, and I he may have been lying to me, and I don't care because I'm going to take it as the truth, and that made me smile like a little kid. Um, That's like Michelangelo telling you that your napkin sketches are pretty good. And keep at it. Exactly. He was like, oh, I saw your, your drawing. That was a good one. I'm like, you might be, I don't care. I'm taking that to yeah. the grave. And, uh, um, yeah, you should have Factory them. 5 is good because, you know, you can buy a uh, Fox body That's and good. donate a bunch of the shit. Um, Right, the Fox body is like three grand, and then you can buy the uh, kit for fourteen grand, and you know, there you go, you get a Cobra. Yeah, I mean, I I will say, maybe, I'm not trying to sound like a snob. Like, if I see a Cobra with the five liter in it, with the kind of um, fuel injection, you know, like sideways, whatever they want to call it, how they look, it's just like, all right, it it, it like tells you what it is, but um, but I think if you can get into one, you should because. Holy fuck, is it fun to drive? And it's amazing. And like the just looking over like the the curvy, curvy fenders and the ass is super wide, and it just side pipes like it's. I don't know, man. It it makes me giggle and smile every time. And if if you want to do a kick cobra in the way and the way you can get into it is a factory five, do it. It's it's amazing. Um, I think ours was like a, a tube chassis. Era just does their own chassis. Fiberglass work isn't great, but it was uh, 13 years ago. Right. Um, but it's just, and, it, yeah. it's like it's like driving a motorcycle, man. It, it is. That, that that works for me, too. Actually, I would love to see Factory 5 do a 289 kit, because I think those look even prettier and even more classic. Yeah, so. I've heard they're more fun just because of the weight, too. I mean, ours is, you know, it's it's heavy. You know, they still have... Like 52-48 weight distribution, like the, the original code was the 427, which I couldn't believe. But um, a 289 would probably be real fun. Like a high-winding 289 and, uh, you know, my, Mike Meyer, he has his, his uh, 66 Mustang, and normally he runs an 800-horsepower race engine, but he that's blown right now, so he's running an old 289 that has like 270 horsepower, and he just won his last autocross against a bunch of people that have like 600 horsepower. There you go. There you go. Um, in other news, old cars from my side, I got to sit in a Peel Trident. Oh, I saw that car, and then I saw your picture. <laughs> it was, oh, man, what a freak show of a car. You know, because I'm, I'm five foot nothing, so I can fit into anything, essentially. And uh, it's just the ladies pretty well. Say. Yeah, ladies. Um, I, uh, I got to sit in it, and, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. You sit on the fiberglass, and you basically just sit on, like, basically sprayed on vinyl. It's so thin. And, uh, the, you know, the bubble top closes over you, and you get a decent amount of headroom. Like, Travis Sikulski sat in it. The guy is, like, 19 feet tall. And you got to sit yeah, the yes. thing next to me. And, uh, yeah, we touched legs there. We touched enough legs to basically be necking in a 1950s high school TV show. But, um, uh, the bubble gets hot real fast. 
And luckily there's a little vent that's a scoop on the side, which is apparently what they used to, uh, you would stick your hand out there and, you know, take a, pay a toll through the scoop there. Are you and, sure uh, that's the only thing that came through the scoop there? Uh, my dick also came through the scoop there. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> like, just like, slam, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but, yeah, the, the dome... Uh, there was one point where I sat in it and uh, they couldn't get the latch to, un- to open the dome and I was like, oh god, I'm stuck in here forever. Well, it's like you were living <laughs> a Simpsons episode. Is there something comical about my appearance? Yes. I, actually, I was actually thinking the movie where you're stuck under the dome. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, I thought it was going to be Bubble Boy and it finally got open, which is nice, but you, you tilt the entire thing and the steering wheel tilts up it's like an Isetta, like the door on an Isetta, which I've also sat in. But, uh, yeah, the peel's great. Every time you sit in it, the thing, every time you, like, you put any amount of weight on it, and the entire thing lifts like you're about to break somebody, some kid's power wheels. I saw the guy that owns that drive it down the street. It was after you left that show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I swear you know to God. You saw him driving? Yeah, like, we're, amazing. we sat there sitting there eating lunch, and we hear this, it sounds like a two-stroke dirt bike. It starts up, right. and the guy just rips past us on the path into the parking lot. And I was like, wow, that, it, it looked like the guy had no legs. It looked like someone chopped him off at the waist because he was sitting so low in it. And I'm looking at the front, and I'm like, there's nowhere for feet. They, they can't exist. And then I'm like, oh, he must be driving to the trailer in the parking lot. And then I hear, I can just tell that he has slowed down. And I'm like, he's going out the driveway. And then I hear him accelerate and then shift through multiple gears. I was like, holy shit. The guy's oh driving God, the thing down the street. It was just like bing, 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 and he took off. I, I bet, I bet he drove past you to start playing the Benny Hill thing. It was he was getting after it. It was so funny. It's so little. What a crazy little. That was a weird Concord of Limits. A bunch yeah. of weird stuff there. Did you know one of those sold at auction at the at the? I think it was the yeah. One of them sold at a microcar auction. Guess how much? An original. Oh, actually, a restored one, I think. It, I'm going to guess it, that it's it, yes. enough to make me upset. Um, I'm gonna so say you're going to be very upset. I'm going to say 23. Higher. 50. I'm going to make you guess. Higher. What? Higher. Just because it's rare. Just It's useless, but it's rare. Uh, they made 80 of them. There are 30 left. <clears throat> I don't care. They're terrible. Look at it. Higher. 100. Keep guessing. Yeah. $102,000. What are you... $103,500 at RM Auctions last year from the Bruce Weiner microcar collection. Wait, yeah, it is... Um, yeah, Bruce Weiner microcar collection. Um, he sold off almost his entire museum, of, and, yeah, the thing was sold for a, a hundred... It was estimated at forty to fifty grand, but it sold for $103,500. It really amazes me what people are willing to pay for what is a, not only, not just non-essential, that's not even the point, like, something they will basically never drive. Like, the, I mean, the record at, at RM was, what, the $25 million Ferrari, which will probably never get driven. It'll be babied all the time. We, we talked to a guy that had one of those in... He had laps. Right. Uh, yeah, and it's like, all right, six laps, I mean... Because we asked how it was, like, what does it feel like? And he said it was amazing, but we want more description. But six laps, you know, out of, if that's all you get in life, they'll all be amazing. But $100,000 for a micro car, I think they're hilarious, and I would love to have them in a collection as a silly you thing. Could, you could do one, like, in your backyard, out of, like, fucking paper mache. Yeah, I mean, you could buy a kid's play school cart and then just put it on a go-kart, and you basically have the same thing. But I think that's the appeal. Honestly, that's the appeal, and that needs, I think somebody should buy, start making appeals again. For the reason of, it is a grown-up Power Wheels. That's what it is. I is never it? had a Power Wheels kid. No, I never had a Power Wheels as a kid, and I thought they were the coolest thing ever. And um, you know, I want I want that idea of like getting into something so shitty and slow, but it's like just a barrel of fun, and it's that size. So um, yeah, we should definitely make uh, peels again and make them into grown-up Power Wheels. It'd be funny, Joe. I, I had a Power Wheels when I was a kid, and I will say that they were a bit of a letdown when you uh, you watch all the commercials, and then you get in it, and it goes three miles an hour, and you're like, oh. But Oh, yeah, the commercials, the kids are like, you know, fucking off-roading, like running over dogs or something. They're like, exactly. doing, they, they doing a buck 80 and donuts and stuff, and then you get in, and it's like, Wah. and you're probably in like your sister's Barbie Jeep or something like that, going down a driveway. People are throwing footballs at your head. Uh, I was in my Barbie Jeep. Thank you very much. Oh, whoa, whoa, sexist, hey, sexist hey, sorry, fuck. Sorry. 
I'm sorry. Well, this is 2013. You're right. You're right. Yeah, it was. Uh, they were they underdelivered, but the you know the peels are funny. But 100 grand for some, it's just it's it's strange to see what people would. It's uh, they're like buying things for their mantle, and they're like, oh yeah, this this trinket, this little crystal that has a flower in it that someone made in the 30s. It's forty thousand dollars, and it sits on a shelf and it collects dust. It's great. Right, exactly, and um. Uh, the, the dude I talked to, he, he had to buy the dome. Some guy had to make the dome for him because there was none left. And it's like, that's a, that's a huge piece. And he was able to replicate that. He could just replicate the entire thing out of fiberglass. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. You can buy all the parts from this guy in England named Andy. And I'm sure he's a great guy, but you also get the idea he might be a serial killer. Um, well, I haven't met him. I'm sure he's lovely, and he would not target someone such as myself if he is a serial killer. That's true. And, you know, I, I want to take that back because I'd like to meet him and drive one of his microcars. What, what, what would you buy? I think we should, we should end soon. But what would you buy yeah, for 100 okay. grand that you think people would think is a ridiculous, stupid expenditure? And I don't just mean, like normal people think any car we'd buy are stupid because they're not car people. But what is something that you would buy for 100 Gs that you think even your car friends would say that's retar that's stupid? Um, for 100 grand, because I can tell you what I'd buy anyway that'd be ridiculous, like a Citroen DS. I would buy one of those, and people would just be like, that's retarded. I would make um, fun of you, that's true. I would, 100 grand, I'd probably buy a Citroen DS and a Citroen HY van. I would buy the van, and then I would... Like start a food truck service out of it, selling baguettes with a demure French girl. <laughs> and the business plan is to sell just one one product that costs a dollar twenty five. It would it would be me thing. and it would be me and uh, Audrey Tattoo, and we would just drive around selling baguettes, and it would be lovely. So uh, and then you you know well I guess they say you don't need money if you have love right. That, that is true. Also, yes, I, I really like Audrey Tautu. I don't know how to say her name, but... I don't even know who she is. Uh, Audrey, call me. Uh, that's not weird. Okay, anyway, uh, on that bombshell, I think it's time to end. Um, I think you just committed copyright infringement, but yes, that's true. I've been saying that all weekend, so it's alright. They must, they can't see me. Oh, did you, yeah, you pawned it off in Pebble Beach as your own. I'm sure no one noticed that you've uh, watched Top Gear before. Oh, no, no one, no one at Pebble Beach watches something that's uncouth as Top Gear. <laughs> it's on TV for free? I don't think so. Ugh, anything more offensive than the Jay Leno show is just nope. Personally, I only watch programs that are acted out in my living room for me. <laughs> I only watch Masterpiece Theater. I replaced my wife's breasts because I couldn't stand looking at something so cheap as free. <laughs> Nature is for poor people. <laughs> <laughs> Nature is only good if you can shoot something at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only nature I like is mounted on my wall. There you go. There you um, go. Pebble Beach, man. Yeah, I think next year I want to go to the go to the historic races. Oh, that's where everyone should go. And then uh, the I want to go to the auction because I think entry is only like forty bucks, and you get to just see all the best cars. Surrounded by people screaming, so that sounds like more fun. Next year, I want to go to the auctions, and next year, I definitely want to get into the quail because the quail is probably the hardest thing to get into next to Fort Knox. Um, yeah, I don't understand the appeal of getting into something just because it's hard to get into unless you're actually yeah. breaking it. unless it's like I'm trying to get into you know the priest's daughter's right. pants, but um, right. but uh, that, I feel that like wouldn't happen if priests don't have daughters. Like that's true. No, no, oh, that's okay. What, this is how much I know about Christianity, Catholicism. Catholicism. <laughs> I think Close if you break, yeah. I think if you break into the quail, it's it's kind of like a rap song, like "Yo, motherfucker, I made it." That's it. Uh, well, if you break in, yeah, I mean, uh, so I know someone that said they got in late, but that's because people were leaving. But I think if you can try and get there when it opens and you schmooze your way or bullshit your way in, that is that is impressive. Yeah, exactly. If you can, if you can, kind of like game the system to get in there. It's it's like you could just walk in there blasting, uh, blasting rap lyrics, which would be cool. Now, honestly, Pebble Beach sounds like a Wayne Brothers movie. Wayne's Brothers movie. It, well, it does when you phrase it like uh, going to the somehow getting into the exclusive party as a small Asian man turns you into a rapper, which I don't know if that's 
condescending or just a bad analogy? You know, with that uh, group, you could probably put on some sunglasses and just tell them you're sigh, and they they probably think you actually were. You probably could. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know. I'm not chubby enough. That's no, but true. they don't know the difference. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's the true. thing. Remember, remember. I should try that next year. I think I try that next year. You should actually. You should play on that. You know, uh, everybody looks alike thing. You should just go. Okay, that's what everyone wants to say. Everyone thinks they're making jokes. Fuck you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna use that, and you should just do that and just go nuts. There you go. All right. That's that's our game plan for next year. Also, I might have to do camping too. Oh yeah, I'm glad we mentioned that because uh, one quick note: we are we are um, putting a compilation guide on how to do pebble into cheap. So that's glad that you. It's great that you guys. Uh, did it as well. Oh, uh, yeah, five dollars um, to, to camp, and uh, we, you know, the most expensive thing we did was we uh, went to a nice restaurant for dinner because it was the only one around the campsite. But um, yeah, if you want to do pebble on the cheap, cheap, you you sleep outside. <laughs> That's true, and I have been to this McDonald's restaurant too. This this fine Irish pub named McDonald's. Um, yeah, you could you could do everything cheap except getting into Pebble Beach. Um, or just start a blog. Yes. Well, this is a an energetic way to end. Yeah, I think well, we, got, we got a little bit of a lag here in the audio, so it's kind of screwing with the timing a little bit. Oh, okay. Well, you don't want me to say on that bombshell again, do you? No. This has been Blake's Nighttime Story Hour. Sip your chamomile, put the lights out. And after bed. that, the fox and the rabbit were friends forever. The end.